Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Okay, good morning, everyone. I just have to tell you that when Rasa on stage said, like, it's Women's Day tomorrow, bless the women in your life. Reese looked over at me and said, that's not what Women's Day is about. It's about they fought for the right to work. <laughs> it's like, hence the fact that I am preaching about marriage today. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. He, well, I'm not kidding. You did say that. But <laughs> he does spoil me, so don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> just thought that was quite funny. <laughs> okay, so we are... Working our way through the Sermon of the Mount, and um, today our topic is from Matthew 5, 31 to 32, and I'm going to read to you what it says. It says, you have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So Jason thought he'd give me the easy topic for today. Um, but actually, like, I wanted to pray after I read the verse, but what Jason prayed was so spot on. And that is exactly what my heart is for the message today. It is that we would all learn to trust God. And as the words of the, that song said, like, that we, could, we can just say, God, here I am. I want to be your living sacrifice. I want to burn for you. So my prayer and my goal with this is that today you would be encouraged to just trust God a little bit more. Here, I actually want to look at a different passage in Matthew 19, which, where Jesus speaks about the same thing. And it's a bit of a more lengthier passage, so we're going to take that apart and look at that, focus a little bit more on that as we try and decipher what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew 19, 3 to 9, it says, Some Pharisees came to try and trap him Sorry. with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, we've got to realize that this was a hot topic of the day. Sorry. I feel like I'm popping. Okay. Um, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Okay, this was a hot topic. Divorce and remarriage was actually quite accepted in that day. It was happening all the time. And the reason that the disciples bring this, or the, sorry, not the disciples, the Pharisees bring this question is because they're actually trying to trick Jesus. There were two very definite thoughts on the topic of divorce, and the one side was very conservative, and they were like, no, there's the only reason is if there is a serious sexual sin, then it is allowed. And the other side was very lenient and saying, no, like, you can divorce your wife for anything if she burns your food, if you find another woman more attractive than her, or if you just get bored of her any, for any reason. So there were these two very different um, takes 
on the Old Testament scripture, and they wanted Jesus to choose a side, basically. And in doing so, it would set half the people against him. And so Jesus doesn't actually answer their question. He poses a different question to them. And I believe what he's actually doing is, is challenging their worldview. In his response, he's saying, are you, where are you getting this from? Is this from the narrative of the world, of what's happening in the world, what's acceptable in the world right now? Or are you getting this from the word of God? And so his response says, haven't you read the scriptures? Now he's talking to scholars, to people that that's their job, they read the scriptures. They record from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Some versions say they become one flesh. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so what Jesus does is he actually points them to the original plan for marriage. He doesn't answer or he doesn't, um, you know, he doesn't answer their pointed question, but he says, but this here, this is what the word says. This is God's original plan. This is the purpose for marriage, that a man and a woman would come together where they are no longer one. They, I mean, longer two separate, but they actually become one. They're united. And if God has, he says, God has put them together. It wasn't just a choice on our own. God united them. Then no one can separate that. But they ask him again, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Now they're referring to the same passage that Jesus referred to in the Sermon on the Mount. It's, in, it's found in Deuteronomy 24. And it's where Moses states that if a wife finds no favor in her husband's eyes because he has found some indecency, so Moses doesn't elaborate, says some indecency, in her, he can write her a certificate of divorce and send her out of his house. So that's, the, that's where all the debate came from. But we need to remember that women were not highly regarded in those days. Okay, they didn't work for themselves. As we said, that's why we celebrate Women's Day. <laughs> we, they, they were very reliant on either their husband or a brother or a father to provide for them, to care for them. And so what was happening is... Um, Men, if they're in the heat of an argument, like their supper was burnt and they're angry and they say, get out of my house, okay? They, they can send a woman away, but she still rightfully belongs to him. So if they see her two years later, they can say, hey, you're my wife, come back. They still have a claim to her. But what the letter of divorce actually stated was that, woman, you are now free and you can marry whoever you want. So the letter of divorce was actually there to protect women so that they could have rights and be looked after. And so this law, all right, so Moses made the law to protect women, and Jesus replied, he says, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. So again, he takes them back to, no, but this is God's plan, and he's perfect, he's perfect will for you. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. And so this law was not a justification for divorce. It was actually meant to uphold the sanctity of marriage and to protect women's rights from being unjustly divorced. And Moses allowed divorce because there was so much suffering in marriage. What was meant to be beautiful and, and 
intimate. There was distraction and hurt. And so my first, the first point I want to make today is that if we come to the Bible looking for reasons to justify divorce, then we've missed the whole point. Okay, and that's what the, the Pharisees were doing. They were focusing on, okay, where can we find a loophole? Where can we find a way out? Like, what is justified? What is not? Um, and all Jesus did was point them back to, he put the weight on marriage as opposed to divorce. And he said, but look what's possible. Okay, this is what God has for you. This is God's original perfect plan. So Jesus adds weight to marriage. And he wants us to take it seriously. My second point that I want to make today is that marriage is God's idea. And if he, defi- if he designed it, then he gets to define it. Okay, marriage is God's idea. So in, in Genesis, go back to the beginning when the world was created, the creator invented marriage. He blessed us. He gave us the gift of marriage. And if he created it, he gets to define it. Why do we think that we can do a better job of deciding what, what works, what doesn't? Oh, no, this looks more fun. You know, we're going to go this way. When he knows what's best for us, let him define it. And in our world today, there's a narrative, a story that shapes our thinking of love and marriage. And I believe that it's very different to the story of love and marriage in the Bible. Because what we believe shapes our choices. And so whatever we think is true, whatever we think is, is right, that's going to shape the way that we act and the way that we respond to things. And today we have so much bombarding our minds with, with truth that's been spoken through movies, through series that we choose to watch, through um, books that we read, podcasts that we listen to, our friends, or maybe somebody we look up to and follow on social media, um, our colleagues at work, Everything is saying something. It's telling you a story. Everything you listen to, everything you hear tells you a story, and it's telling you a certain truth. But we need to choose what is the truth that we're going to believe, that we're going to follow. And what Jesus does in this story, which I love, is he just points people to the truth. He says he doesn't, um, he doesn't uh, play, with their, play into their, their trick. He just says, here's the truth. This is reality. There's a God. He loves you. He created you. He created you male and female. He put you together. He has a perfect plan for intimacy and love and life in the full. He has his plan. Now you choose. So everything shapes what we think. It forms our narratives and our story. And so what I want to do today is put the two side by side for you. Okay, what is the world saying about love and sex marriage, divorce, and what is the Bible saying? What does the Word say about love, marriage, sex, divorce? Okay, and then we can, once we can see it like that, we can make our choice. And so, firstly, the world says that human beings are animals. Okay, there's a song about it. We have urges. We just have to follow them. Okay? <laughs> there's, um, you know, we came from, from animal. We just evolved and now we're just a little bit smarter. Okay, that's what the world's saying. But the Bible says that human beings are created in God's image, that we have value, that we are loved, and that what sets us apart is actually the parts of us that are like God, 
Yeah, we are more like God than like animal because we have love, we have compassion, all those good unseen things. That's what makes us human, made in God's image. The world says male and female is just plumbing. It doesn't define you. But God designed your body. He made you male or female, and it is good. Six, the world says it's just play for grown-ups. You need to experiment before you get married. How are you going to know if you're compatible if you don't try it out before? You know, take the car for a, a spin first before you buy it. That's what the world's saying. Watch the movies. <laughs> but that's not what the Word of God says. Okay, the Word of God says that sex is not just recreation. It's a union. When you make love to another human being, you tie your souls together. You become one flesh. Inside of marriage, this is beautiful, and it deepens intimacy. But outside of marriage, it's destructive and dehumanizing. The world says that love is a feeling of happiness you get from being with another person, or it's a desire for another person sexually. Okay, but, the, but the word says that love is far more than an emotion. It is not the desire to have sex with someone. That's lust, and that's what Jason spoke about last week. It is a decision, and this is John Marcoma's um, wording, which I thought was so good. Um, it says, it is a decision of the heart to delight in another soul and to will their good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine if we all approached marriage with that definition of love. Okay? It is a decision of the heart to delight in another soul and to will their good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? He said, God so loved the world that he gave, okay, sacrificially. Jesus came and he gave the biggest sacrifice ever, his life. He died on the cross. He gave up everything he had for us. That's the definition of love, okay? You see Jesus with his disciples washing their feet. The creator, he made them. He was there in the beginning, and yet he got on his hands and feet and washed their feet. It's a sacrificial love. It's a servant love. And that's the, that's the definition of love. And I think our, whatever we define love and even sex as affects our marriages so much. And even good things, Disney princess movies. Okay, how many of us go into marriage with this ideal of I'm going to meet the one true love and everything's, you know, if, if, it's, if he's just compatible enough and it's the right one, my true love, then everything's going to be perfect. That's not true. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, there is no perfect person. Everyone is imperfect and we will all disappoint each other. Okay, marriage takes work. The movies are not true. Okay? Sex is messy. It's not like the movies. Love is disappointing. Okay? People are human. We are not married to God. We are married to a human being. And so I want to encourage you to, to maybe even just adjust your expectations. Of, and if you put the, your expectations on yourself, do, do you rise to that expectation or do you also fail? Because we all fall short of the glory of God. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. So there is hope. There is actually hope for a fulfilling marriage if we partner with God and walk with him to love each other. 
Okay, marriage. The world says it is a contract. It's a social construct and is designed for the gratification of the individual parties. You go into it to get something out of it. So maybe you have a vision for your life. You're young and you're like, oh, I'm going to be married one day. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have a great job and this. And so you need a partner to fulfill your vision and to make your life work the way that you want it to. Okay, that's the world's view. Let's look at what the Bible says about marriage. It says, it is a covenant commitment, a vow in front of God and your community to love again and again, to will the good of another ahead of your own in sickness and in health, for rich or poor, till death do you part. That is marriage according to the Bible. It is a covenant commitment where you, I mean, you literally say those words when you promise to love each other in sickness and in health till death do you part. You're entering into a covenant. And uh, I'll get to that. Okay. The world says monogamy is not natural. But the Bible says the key to intimacy is exclusivity. The world says the purpose of marriage is happiness. But the Bible says the purpose of marriage is holiness. Okay, it is a picture of salvation. Do you know that the covenant that we enter into in marriage is actually a picture of the covenant we enter into when we, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we come into a relationship with him, he promises us those same things. Okay, that he will be for us and not against us. That he's in it until the end. Okay, God is committed to us. And he wants the kind of intimacy and closeness he wants to partner with us. He wants a friendship. So, so marriage is a picture, actually, of what God wants to have with us. It is an invitation to spiritual formation. Okay, we, and this is what makes marriage so hard. You know, we often say when, when you get married, it's like looking in a mirror. You're like, whoa, where did that ugliness come from? Like, I didn't know I was this selfish. Okay, because you're exposing things in one another that, you, that when put under pressure, whatever's inside comes out, okay? And that's, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's how it's meant to be. You're meant to gently and lovingly help each other to become more like Jesus. So it's an invitation to spiritual formation. It provides friendship. We work as a partnership. It's two people coming together and seeing how can we better this world, how can we grow um, together and, and further God's kingdom together? We partner. We become a family. It's a way to procreate, to, to, to build a family. We get to enjoy intimacy and sex. And happiness is a byproduct of a healthy marriage. It's not the purpose. When we get our priorities right, the byproduct should be happiness. Okay, the world says divorce is an option if you're no longer compatible or have grown out of love or happiness. But the Bible says divorce is not an option in God's perfect plan. It is a rupture of soul ties, a breaking of a covenant, a betrayal of trust, the hurting of children, and the death of a marriage. And I want to say to you today, if you are here and you have been divorced, you're going through a divorce, um, I just want to tell you that God loves you. Okay, that we're sharing God's perfect plan. And he was, he, was answering the, he was answering men that were asking him about this. He wasn't addressing women that had been divorced or men that had been divorced. He's, God's heart is for you. He loves you. And we have something in the church that 
comes around women or, or men that have been through divorce to, to support and love you through this, this period. And so I want to encourage you that if you have or you're going through divorce, sign up for gro- uh, f- growth track. It's so in my mind. <laughs> Do sign up for growth track, but that's not going to help you. <laughs> Sorry if you're divorced. Um, <laughs> but divorce care will help you. Okay, we have... Um, yeah, we have a program called Divorce Care. It goes through a couple of weeks with different toppings, topics. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just gonna breathe. <sighs> goes through different topics that'll help you actually walk through the pain, through the hurt, through the loss, so that you can get out on the other side in freedom and in wholeness. And recently I have personally walked through fam- walked with family members and friends that have been through this, and it is hard. Okay, divorce isn't the easy option out. It is hard. Okay, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Okay. The world says the meaning of life is whatever you want it to be. Live your own truth. Do you know, for one of Riley's birthdays, she got a cap, and on it it said, live your own truth. I was like, what rubbish is that? That is not biblical. I was like, she can't read yet. It's fine. She can wear it. But there is so much rubbish being like bombarded in our minds that is actually not biblical because the word of God says Jesus is the way the truth and the life and we exist to bring him glory that's the purpose that's the meaning that we get out of life is living a life that honors God that where we are a living sacrifice that actually brings glory to God and so my question for you today is which story do you believe Whose definition of love, sex, sexuality, marriage, and divorce are you listening to? Marriage is God's idea. If he designed it, then he gets to define it. And the beautiful thing is that when we align our stories with his stories, when the truth that we believe is reality, it is what God has, has like God's truth, then we're going to end up at the destination that he promises, where there is love, joy, peace, life in abundance. Okay, it's, this is, I mean, there's so much discussion on progressiveness and um, conservativeness, and, you know, the world is in a place where you're like, that's so yesterday, get into the 21st century, we're progressive, this is the way forward, um, you know, we're not stuck in the past, but this discussion is not about being, whether you're progressive or conservative, it's whether you're biblical. Okay, that's what matters, and if something that's biblical is not progressive, You've got to decide what you believe. Okay. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's plan, God's will for you is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. There is a life. God offers life in abundance, but he gives us the plan. There's a roadmap. And if we, if we align our hearts and our minds and our thinking with God's heart, mind, and thinking, we're going to be on the same road, and we're going to reach the destination that God has purposed for us. But if our thinking is contrary to 
the word of God or to what, what God has offered as truth, then we're going we're gonna to be going on a different road. And I think so often people blame God. They say, how do you believe in a God when there's so much like, hurt and pain in this world? How can you trust that there's a good God? But yet God offers us a choice. He says, today I put before you life and death. Choose life. We make choices every day. And, and so much, like I'm so convinced that choices around sex and love and marriage, that's what's wrong with our world. Because there's, I mean, for most of us in this building, we can say we've been hurt in some way, by, either by love or through sex or through marriage. We've been hurt because it's people. It's such a sensitive topic. It's intimacy. It's vulnerability. Do you know that we recently, we recently had like the sex talk with my daughter just to, we felt like, okay, she's in high school. I mean, gosh, primary school now. <laughs> Grade one. <laughs> it feels like high school these days, the issues. Anyway, um, but do you know what her response was? She was like, wow, you must really have to trust the person because that's, like, that's quite hectic. And I was like, yes, yes, you get it. You have to trust the person in marriage. <laughs> like, and I thought, wow, like, she's six. She gets it. Okay, there is trust. There's vulnerability in relationship. And so we need to align our, our thinking and our minds with, with God's ideal, his plan, in order to experience the joy and the life that he offers. Because the other road is full of shame and hurt, and pain. But let's choose to follow God's way. And if you have walked the road of hurt and pain, like that song said that we sang, whatever the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it to good. And so where there is something where you like, oh, like, I don't know if I can redeem this marriage. I don't know, I have been hurt, so I have been divorced, so I have been, God can turn that to the good of those who love him and live according to his will. So you can realign, you can shift the way that you think. Like the scripture says, allow God to change the way you think. Allow him to um, renew your mind and align it with God's plan. And you can walk in victory. There is life to the full for you. So Jesus' invitation is simply to trust him, to follow his way of life, his teachings, his truth. And the end of that road is righteousness, peace, and joy. My third point today is just simply change happens one good choice at a time. You might be in a marriage where you think, like, is it even possible? Okay, we've been through so much, or it's so contrary to what you're speaking about today. I'm here to tell you it is possible, one choice at a time. We can't change the person we're with, but we can change ourselves. And so my encouragement to you is just to do one thing differently today. Okay, if you're somebody who maybe answers your partner back like shortly, then just once today, answer back with love. Just once. Okay, and tomorrow, if you're somebody who um, maybe you don't communicate at all during the day and you just live your own lives and then you get back together and you're busy with the kids and then it's crazy and then you watch series and you go to bed, change one thing. Send one message. Hey, love, thanks for making me breakfast today. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm just thinking about you. Looking forward to seeing you later. One thing. Change one thing today. Change one thing tomorrow. Change another thing the next day. And eventually you will reap a harvest. 
Okay, there's a principle of sowing and reaping in the Bible. It says, if you, whatever you sow, you will reap. And maybe you've been sowing the wrong things. If you just keep, just start sowing the right things, start doing something good, start saying the right things, eventually that good harvest will outgrow the bad harvest and we will reap a good harvest. The Bible says we'll reap it if we don't give up. So I want to encourage you, even if your partner does not respond, because this is what happens to me. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try. And I start and I'm like, oh my gosh, did you not see that good thing that I did yesterday? And then it's done because I'm like, well, he's not in, so. But that's, <laughs> I can't change him. Okay, be consistent. Keep doing it. I want to encourage you to do it for the next month. Make the next month a selfless month where we actually will the good of our partner above our own, no matter the consequence to ourselves. Keep doing it. Be consistent and you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So just quickly, some practical next steps. I want to firstly encourage you, if you are struggling with something that you need to forgive in marriage or in any relationship, there's a great resource. It's called practicingtheway.org. And if you go to that website, you can search for forgiving. Okay, just search for the word forgiving. And it'll bring up a bunch of videos um, and content that you can read that's actually going to help you and teach you God's principles on forgiving. And then divorce care, I can't encourage you enough to fill out a Connect card. If you are in that position, fill out a Connect card, note divorce care, and somebody will lead you to the right person to be in contact with. Okay, version reading plans. The Bible is the best place to start. Okay, we're watching so much. We spend so many hours exposed to lies. How many hours do we spend on the truth? Okay, the Bible is full of resources for marriage. I want to encourage you to go and read it. And if you can't find the, the scriptures or you don't know where to start, then start with a Bible reading plan. Reese and I just finished one called um, Being Intentional in Your Marriage. It was really encouraging, challenging, and we, it was so good to do it together as well. And so I want to encourage you to go look. We've, I think we've got it at the end of the, of the Uvision notes for today. And then lastly, on Right Now Media, there, it's a great resource okay, with loads, actually lots of things on marriage. But the one I would, I would recommend starting with is the Alpha Marriage Course. If you haven't done that, it is brilliant. Um, some of the testimonies that they actually share on the video are of marriages that looked beyond repair. They, it looked like there was no hope. And yet they share their story of redemption and how there's so much joy and love in their marriage today. So there's great principles. Please, if you haven't done it, go and look at it. If you're looking at getting married, the premarital course is also on there. It's a great resource. And then just in closing, I just want to pray, pray for you guys so you can close your eyes. God, firstly, I want to thank you that like you've blessed us with marriage, but actually you've given it to us as a representation of what you have in store for us. We get to experience intimacy and love and joy with you in a friendship and a partnership. God, I pray that for anyone here today that maybe doesn't have that intimacy with you, Maybe they come to church or maybe they're kind of in a relationship with you, but they don't feel close to you. There's no intimacy there. God, I pray that you would shower them with your love today. God, help them to see the picture 
of intimacy and love that you have for them. And God, I pray for every person today that, yeah, that's hearing this message or maybe listening to it at a later stage. Thank you, God, that you have good things in store for us. Father, I pray that you'd help us to trust you. God, help us to have that picture of a, of a, a river where we're fighting almost against the stream. Help us to lift our feet up and just to go with the stream, to trust you enough to, to let go of the guardrails that we have in terms of our relationship with you and to actually just fully dive in and to fully trust you. So God, we just want to open our hearts, say whatever it is that you're wanting to share with us. Help us to be obedient and help us to trust you enough that you're going to walk in it with us. Because whatever you ask for us, you give us the desire and the power to accomplish that. Thank you for your love. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.